what I want to talk to you about this morning is, uh, I want to talk to you about the gift of grace. Um, and so let's talk about, let's talk about th- this gift here. So the very first present, the very first gift that God ever gave to us is this. God's reached into the dirt. He breath, breathed life into it like that, and gave us all life, okay? Life started in that way. It was the first gift ever. And so what we're going to talk about is another gift that God has given us. It is the gift of his grace. And so first I'm going to read some scripture, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to deliver a word, and you guys are all going to be happy, and we're going to have a Merry Christmas, and that's what's going to happen, all right? So let's do it. In Romans chapter 5, it goes just like this. Now, Adam is a symbol. Let me pause. Time out. Adam, okay? If you don't know who Adam is, um, Adam, in the Genesis account, the Bible says that when God picked up and made that first gift, okay, he picked up that dirt, he breathed life into it, and called it Adam, okay? That was the very first man, okay? Now, it's interesting, just a little, little known fact here, that, or something to just kind of consider, that when scientists look at, they look at human beings, they look at life, okay, you look at humans, and you see that we are made up of uh, unique cellular systems and organs and all kinds of different little things and cells and stuff like that all bumping together and stuff and stuff's happening and all that's happening. But when you come down even closer and closer and closer and closer and closer, you realize that all life begins with what? Atoms. Isn't it interesting? Anyways. Now, Adam, Adam, this Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness. Everybody say forgiveness. Forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin, speaking of Adam. For Adam's sin led to condemnation. But God's free gift, everybody say free gift. Free Free gifts, free gift leads to our being made right with God. Even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. Everybody say, righteousness. And then say, righteousness. And then say, righteous. Yeah, I like that. Okay. For all who receive it, it will live, for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. Father God, I am honored to be standing on this stage, Lord God, and I pray, Father, that you would help me to articulate and enunciate every word. Father God, I pray that you'd give us ears to hear, eyes to see, Lord God, what you have going on all around us. Father, we are here, Lord God, because of the Christmas season, Lord God, and we're here to talk about, Lord God, the one gift, the only gift that really, truly matters. It's the reason for the season. It's Jesus Christ, Father. Help us to fully understand, Lord God, what you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. I love that. I love that. Okay, so let's talk. Okay, so we're here because it's Christmas, and Christmas is right around the corner, and a big part of Christmas, I guess the kind of story comes from when, uh, when Jesus was born, um, there were uh, some wise men and some shepherds and some, some different people, some kings that kind of came to Jesus, and they brought what? 
They brought gifts. They brought gifts to Jesus. They brought these things, presented them to him. And so in that same kind of tradition, um, we, also, uh, we also like gifts, right? Everybody likes gifts. Everybody like gifts. Who else likes it? Who doesn't like gifts? Raise your hand. You don't, see, no hands went up. You almost went up, but it didn't. See? Except for you, sir. I don't know why you don't like gifts. I'm just kidding. There's no one over there. Um, <laughs> So anyways, we are all excited about gifts. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about some gifts, okay? But first, let me tell a story. My wife and I, um, when we first got married, you see, my wife and I have this verbal and this nonverbal understanding, okay? If you're married or you've ever been in a relationship before, you kind of understand that about women, okay? Um, Or it's not so much with men. Men just kind of tell like it is, I'm hungry, you know, like that kind of stuff, okay? But to a woman, there's a verbal and there's a nonverbal understanding, okay? Let me explain. Okay, now I've kind of learned a little bit about this and kind of figured it out a little bit in a lot of ways, um, but I've only been married eight years, okay, so just give me a break, it's not very long, um, but I'm learning, okay? So the, 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 the nonverbal understanding, okay, that my wife and I have is like this. You're not buying anything for Christmas for me, right? Okay, I don't know if anyone can relate to this. She says, she says, you're not buying anything, no gifts. We're not buying gifts for each other, right? Okay, that's the nonverbal understanding that we have together, okay? Okay, but, but what she's really saying, what she's really saying is, is this. She's saying, what are you getting me for Christmas? <laughs> what she's really saying is, and when she says, you're not, no, just to remind you, you know, it's like two months, two months before, it's like in like, in like November, October, she's like, you know, you're not getting any gifts this year. We're not doing gifts. What she's saying is, have you started shopping yet? <laughs> What she's saying is, I've checked the credit card statement. I didn't see any purchases on Amazon or anything you're trying to hide. Get your stuff together, sir. (laughs) Like I said, I've only been married eight years, okay? And this nonverbal understanding has kind of been something that we've had standing for a very long time, okay? Like the very first year where we said we weren't buying gifts for each other, okay? <laughs> Some of you already know where I'm going with this. We have the understanding, you're not buying gifts for each other. I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. And so Christmas morning comes, we're sitting down and there's gifts all under the tree. We had gifts for, you know, my brother and the dog and, and all kinds of, you know, all the neighbors, all kinds of stuff. But my wife, I did not buy her any gifts. I think I got a TV that year, okay? But I'm just, that was our nonverbal understanding, right? We're not buying gifts. But my wife, uh, you know, I didn't get her anything at all. And so, and so we start opening up gifts, and my wife, with just like a little, little, little Hispanic tear starts coming down her face. <laughs> she says, you really didn't get me anything? <laughs> I said, you know what, baby, I left it at the office. I'll be right back. (laughs) Let me just say, I never made that mistake again. But just so you know, we're not getting any gifts for each other this year either, okay? (laughs) It's true. Honest to goodness truth. Well, listen, one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given us is the gift of his grace. The gift of his grace. Let me talk about this for a little bit. Why is that such a great gift to us? Why is that so significant? The reason why that's so significant, I'd like to dissect that. I'd like to talk about that this morning. The reason why is because life in the spirit begins when we accept the gift of God's grace. Life in the spirit begins 
when we accept the gift of God's grace. Now this morning, I've brought for all of you a gift. This is the gift of God's grace. Okay, it's got some it's got some uh, some symbolic things on the inside that I want to talk about that are going to help us illustrate the points that I have for us. Three points. So as you can see in this beautifully uh, wrapped gift that I made last night, I was up all night wrapping this gift. You guys don't look like you believe me. No, you know I didn't wrap this at all. My wife did. Thank you very much. Can you guys give her a hand for wrapping this beautiful gift? Didn't she do a good job? She wrapped it and like unwrapped it like four times. I was like, I don't care, it looks great. Anyways. (laughs) But first of all, before we get started and kind of unwrap what this is, isn't this beautiful, it's gorgeous. Anyways, so before we get into this, what is grace? What is grace? Let's talk about that. Let's let's make a real simple one-line statement so we understand what we are talking about. It's the greatest gift ever, but people talk about grace like they really understand, like, oh, isn't she gracious? Or like, let's say grace, and we're not talking about that kind of grace. We're talking about the grace, like grace, grace, like what God has given us, the gift of grace. So let's define that real quick before we proceed, okay? Here's what grace is. Grace is the undeserved loving favor and mercy of our creator. You didn't deserve it. You can't earn it. You can't purchase it. And it is God's all tied together through our creator's loving favor and his mercy over our lives. That is grace. So let's talk about that. Grace is the undeserved loving favor and mercy of our creator. Here's the first point. Grace. Grace offers forgiveness. Grace offers forgiveness. Like I said, I'm going to open up my gift now, and I'm going to show you guys some of the gifts that I brought you. Hey, what did you know? God gave us the gift of the Raiders. No, I'm just kidding. So... The gift of forgiveness is represented by these old clothes. This old clothes. You can tell these clothes don't fit me anymore because I have a dad bod now. But you see, you have this old clothes. They represent forgiveness. Haven't you ever noticed that when you look at someone's clothes or you look at particularly your own favorite, or like this is my favorite shirt, okay? Like I just come home, I put this shirt on, and like all of the world's problems go away, okay? Just put this shirt on, and it's it's like a cure for everything, okay? But haven't you noticed when you look at old clothes, they kind of tell a story, right? Like the hole right there in that jean. Uh, it came from a time I was on my skateboard and I fell down and I skid my knee pretty hard. Uh, and then I also got some pain up here at the top. It was a time where I was painting something for my daughter. I mean, your, your clothes kind of tell a story, kind of like our past. See, your past, we have stories in our past. Anybody made a mistake ever in their whole life? I have too. Well, you see... The gift of God's grace offers forgiveness for that past. And not just our past, but also our present and also our future. And the way to look at it is, is you once had old clothes. You once had old stories. You once had old mindsets and things about your past and things about your life that were not pleasing to God. And God said, you don't have to wear those anymore. I no longer see them any longer. I'll trade you. You see, the thing is that when God looks at you, when God looks at you, he doesn't see your sin any longer. He doesn't see the present sin that you're in. 
He doesn't see your future sins that you'll commit tomorrow. When you ask for and you receive the gift of grace, you receive this offer of forgiveness, what you get in return is Jesus then sees, God sees Jesus Christ on the cross, his son who paid the penalty, who exchanged these old clothes, and he gave you new ones. Hallelujah. The gift of grace, that is good. That's a good time to clap. The gift of grace offers forgiveness. It's a trade. It's an exchange. He he doesn't see your sin anymore. He only sees Jesus. He only sees the price that he paid. It's an offer. I'll trade you. I'll give you something new for those old rags. I'll give you a new mindset. I'll give you a new thought process. I'll give you new opportunities. I'll, I'll, I'll give you chances where you can prove faithful with little things, and then you'll, you'll, you'll see your territory get expanded. I'll trade you these things. I forgive you. It's a part of his grace. It's a gift. Let's talk about the second one. I'm just going to put these back. The second thing that grace has done, the gift of grace produces righteousness, or it makes us right with God. Now, that's represented by this Aztec blanket from my couch. Thank you, couch. You see, the gift of grace produces righteousness in us. Let me explain. Now, this is going to take some explaining to do, okay? Kind of like I love Lucy. Ricardo's got some explaining to do, okay? Hang on. Let me explain. You didn't think I'd seen that show before, huh? Because I look like I'm 12. Yeah. I've seen reruns. <laughs> I got Nick at night. I'm just kidding. <laughs> when you meet somebody for the first time, maybe it's on a relationships, uh, uh, relationship basis, or maybe it's just a friend. When you meet somebody for the first time, they, they probably don't hand you a book and say, here are all the things you can do and cannot do to me. If you do them, this will happen. And if, and, and if, you, and if you don't do them, oh, wow, there is, there is, there's a reward for you. But remember, there's also a place to the reserve for you that it's really, really, really bad. You don't want to do it. You want to be my friend? Here you go. You see, that's not how we meet friends. That's not how we make friends. That's not how friendships, that's not how relationships works. Not all of them. (laughs) It's just not so. You see, but as Christians, as believers, as people that profess to be followers of Jesus Christ, we oftentimes look at this book of the law. We oftentimes look at this as a bunch of do's and do nots, rules and things and expectations I could never meet. And so we just see God as this like man in the sky with a big gavel and like lightning in his hand. And he's like throwing down, just can't wait to rain down fire and blessings and curses and all kinds of stuff. And then all we see is this thing like weighing down on top of us. And I'm here to tell you, and clarify something. This was given, this was given very simply to produce in us righteousness. Now, like I said, it's going to take some explaining to do. Romans 5.20 says it like this. The law, the law, the law was given so all people could see how sinful they were. Why was this given then? How could you say that this is is not that, that God is not some big bully in the sky? How could you say that? The law was given so that people could see who they really were. I'll give you an example. 
Anybody that's ever seen a little kid, let's say you have a little kid and, and, and you're, you're cooking pasta. What's your favorite pasta? What's your favorite pasta? My po- favorite pasta is rigatoni. What's yours? Penne. Okay, very nice. Okay, so you're cooking some pasta in the kitchen. And as you're cooking pasta, that means you're boiling the water. You haven't put the pasta in yet because then it will get all mushy, right? First, you got to boil the water. So the water is boiling on the stove. There's a little kid in your house. He can, can't see over the corner, but he's reaching like this. He's reaching on top of the corner, all over the counters. He's reaching like this. He's reaching, he's reaching, he's reaching. And what, what happens when he gets real close to the stove? What do you do? Stop! Wait! No, 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 stop! Shh, go to your room! Stop, stop! No, 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 no. Be careful, watch out! Because how would he know that it was hot unless you told him? Unless maybe he needed to learn things the hardest possible way like some people. Or unless he wants to look like Two-Face from Batman and get the whole side of his face messed up. In the same way, God says, how would you ever know what it means to please me unless I told you? How would you ever know the things that could hurt you in your life and the things that were wrong in your life and the things that could bring about circumstances and fruit in your life that you would not want, that you would not desire, that you don't want to have any part in? How would you know that unless I told you first? It makes sense now. Okay, now watch this. You see, Romans 3.22 says we were made right with God. That means we produced righteousness. We are righteous. We are now wearing this thing over us. We are made right with God when? We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true of everyone who believes no matter who you are. You see, the thing is, is that these demands, this law still has to be met. The truth of the matter is, you're no longer the one who has to meet it. You were made righteous with God when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. That's a fact. It's true. See... This used to be written on tablets of stone. Now it's written on tablets of my heart. Because I put my faith in him, I'm now made right with him. When you put your faith in him, you're made right with him. He no longer sees sin. He's offered you forgiveness. He's exchanged the old clothes. And instead, he's given you righteousness. He's clothed you in something. He now says, we are. We're okay. We've been made right. Why? The moment that I believed that I received Jesus, that's undeserved. That is his loving favor. That is mercy. But you see, this still has to be met. I'm just not the one who has to meet it anymore. That's Jesus' job now. But listen, this is very important. I'm still not done explaining, okay, Lucy? The gift of grace produces in me righteousness, so that means that I can just do whatever I want, right? I can just do anything now. It's all been met. It's all covered. I'm covered. You don't see that. You see this, the Aztec blanket. Now I'm righteous. I'll explain it the way. Remember the kid on top, reaching on top of the counter for the hot water? Well, now he knows it's hot. Since he knows it's hot, does that mean now he wants to touch it? 
Some kids, yes. <laughs> but no. Instead, a kid says, you know what? You saved me from being really hurt. Thank you. I should listen to you more. Maybe you'll save me from some other things. You see, God's gift of grace produces righteousness. It makes us right with God. You no longer want to sin. You no longer have to sin. You instead want to live a life, motivated, motivated life, a life that pleases God. You live a life now motivated. You ever met a motivational speaker? You can do it. You've got this. Keep going. Like that. You're now motivated, motivated to live a life that pleases God. I no longer want to do this. I no longer want to sin. I no longer want to invite those things into my life. I know that I'm righteous. And the reason why I'm righteous, now that I'm thankful that I'm righteous, I want to live a life that pleases God. I'll explain to you a very, through a very common scripture. Watch this. See, this is living by the Spirit. Remember, life in the Spirit begins when we accept the gift of grace. Galatians 5, and 23, very familiar scripture. It says it like this. It says, but the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Kind of like when you go to Kroger, you go to the produce section, right? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of righteousness in our lives, this kind of fruit. It's made us right. This is the life that God wants. This is what he expects. And this is what we get when we believe in him. When I believe in him, I'm made right with him. This is what happens. The Holy Spirit starts to produce fruit in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against that. Interesting. Isn't it interesting how, isn't it interesting how the writer, his name was Paul, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, isn't it interesting how he uses the illustration of fruit and not rocks? Think about it. He says it produces this kind of fruit. He didn't say rocks. He didn't say stones. He didn't say pillars. He didn't say oceans. He said fruit, the fruit. Why is that? You know why? Because fruit can be cultivated. Fruit can be grown. Fruit starts off small as a seed, but daily it grows, and it cultivates, and it becomes something big. And, with, and God, if he sees fruit that he doesn't like, he can cut it out. Kind of like if you go outside and you're like, this is supposed to be an orange tree, but this obviously looked like apples or something. You just cut that one down, we start over. We go plant something new. You see, fruit can be grown. Fruit can be pruned. Fruit produces what you put into it. Now, how many of you, how many of you feel just like I do, just like I do, I could use some more patience. <laughs> I could use some more joy. I could use some more love. Jesus summed up the commandments like this. He said, the greatest commandment of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. It's also interesting, too, that in this illustration of what the Holy Spirit produces in us, this type of fruit, that the order they're in is actually progressive. Think about it. 
Look back at it. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love. You see, you can't have joy because there's a difference between happiness and joy, true joy, right? But you can't have joy without first having love. You can't have peace without having joy. I can't be peaceful if I'm constantly worried. But once I'm peaceful and I have joy and I'm also filled up with love, doesn't that, don't that make me a little bit easier, a little more understanding where I could be a little more patient? In fact, if you're hoping to cultivate that fruit of patience, you could pray for patience, but you might notice you'd be dead, gridlocked on 45 often on the way to work. <laughs> when you're patient and you have peace and you have joy and love, it's easy to be kind. It's easy to focus on what's good. And people that are good and kind and have love and joy and peace inside of them, you notice, you notice that they prove faithful. It's easier for them to prove faithful with smaller things and then God grants them bigger things to be faithful with. And when you've proven faithful with little and big, it's also easier to then become gentle and live a more self-controlled life that honors God. You see, and that all began when we accepted and we received the gift of God's grace. And what grace did was it produced in me righteousness. It made me want to live a life that pleases God. That's good. Now for the third thing. Let me read a scripture to you first real quick kind of sums up what we just read and we just talked about. Romans 8, 9, and 10 says, but you're not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit. Notice there's a big S there. That's the Holy Spirit. If you have the Spirit of God living in you. And remember that those who don't have the Spirit of Christ living in them, they don't belong to him at all, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life. Because you have been made right with God. You were made right with God. We are covered in righteousness. All of this still stands. We know the water's hot. And I'm thankful that he told me so. Here's the third point. Turn to your neighbor and say, I needed this word. <laughs> you know, that second point has been really revelatory to me lately in my life. In fact, I felt like being transparent for a minute before I moved on. You know how preachers, I can't speak for all preachers, but most preachers, you know how they come up with a sermon? You ever wondered that? Anybody ever wondered that? Like, how's a guy like, how's he, you know, like, you just go into the tent, like, you know what I mean? Like, God comes down. Sometimes. <laughs> most of the times, most of the times it comes down to what we're going through at that moment, at that time. And it's called revelation. It's when you spend time with the Lord and he downloads information to you that could only come from his throne room. It could only come from the chambers of a king of kings. It could only come from the council of heaven. 
When you spend time with God, when you spend time with God, you'll notice, you'll notice that God will reveal things to you. You'll notice that when you praise him, that your problems become smaller. You'll notice that when you worship and you pray intently and you pray fervently and you seek God's face, you start to notice that it's not so much his hand that you need as much as it is his face. There's no substitute for spending time with the Lord. There's no substitute. Are y'all ready for point three? Point three is this. The gift of grace offers eternal life. The gift of grace offers eternal life, which is why I have this crown from Party City that doesn't fit my head. Did you know that you were designed for eternity? Did you know that the Bible says that you, are, you have an inheritance in an everlasting kingdom, in a kingdom that goes on forever and ever and ever. The Bible says that God has made his enemies his footstool. He's literally sitting at the throne with all of his enemies at his feet, okay? There are dominions and realms in the kingdom of heaven, and the Bible says that you were designed for it, that your feet were designed to walk on streets of gold. It says that your thoughts, your thoughts, oftentimes when you close your mind and you think of things that are greater and higher and not of this world, it's because God has planted eternity inside of your heart. You were designed for eternity. You were made to live forever. Remember we were talking about Adam earlier? Do you remember that? Okay, thank you. So we were talking about a guy named Adam earlier, right? And Adam, the Bible says, was made to live forever. It says that when he sinned, it said that not just sin, but also death. That meant deterioration, old age, all of these things also entered into the world. And the same way, the same way that Adam brought death and sin into the world, so Jesus brought forgiveness and righteousness and eternal life into the world. It's the same thing. How could one man do all that? Because Adam did. We believe that, right? Adam was designed to live forever. I'll explain. Your body has 12 unique cellular systems in it, okay? And inside of it, there's like all these millions of little cells and things like that, and they're making us work together, and we talked about that, right? But you see, your body, what it does every day is all of your cells, all of your cells, I believe I could be wrong, speak wrong, I believe there's 12 trillion, but there's, there's trillions of cells in your body. And so what happens is the night before everybody goes to bed, we all make a copy of ourselves. We make a perfect copy of all the cells in our body, okay? Now, before sin and death entered into the world, the reason why that happened was because we were meant to live forever. You were designed to go on and on and on and on and on. But then what happened was when sin and death came into the world, then making a copy was kind of like really making a copy. Who's ever made a copy before? You notice how when you make a copy, you get a sheet of paper, and it's maybe it's got some green and some yellow, and you copy it, all of a sudden that green isn't so brilliant in the copy. 
And then all of a sudden, that maybe it has like a couple of those like lines. Like, don't you hate that? You try to print something nice, and your copy machine at work has like makes those lines in it. You're like, oh, such a beating making copies, right? But anyways, so these co- these lines in it because the copy the, the, the copy of it doesn't look so much like the original. That's called aging. That's called getting older. I don't look the same as I did when I was 11, but kind of. <laughs> okay? We age well in my family. What can I say? My brother's 40. Look at him. Looks like he's 16. You're like, he's 40? <laughs> You start to get slower. You start to, you start to age a little bit more. It's a little bit harder to get out of bed without doing this, right? But I have to do that. This happens. It's getting older. But did you know that before sin and death entered into the world, God designed you for eternity? He designed you to live forever. The Bible says that you were made in God's perfect image. You were made in his perfect image. That means to think of ourselves as anything less than what God has made us is an insult to our creator. I don't know about you, but that sounds like undeserved, loving favor and mercy over my life. When God gave us that first gift, that first present, he scooped up dirt. He breathed life into it. The gift of grace is very similar in that sense. We likewise look at dirt, and it's hard to see value in dirt. It's hard to see the good in dirt. Who's ever seen sand before? Common sand. We're talking about common sand, not like sand like in Tahiti or like, what is it with Destin's beaches and Pensacola? That is such like an underrated place, isn't it? They're like white sandy beaches, no waves though. That's weird. Anyways, so... Not like that. Like, we're not talking about, like, extraordinary sand. We're talking about, like, who's been to the park? You've been to the park. You've seen sand. Okay, that kind of sand. Buy a bag of sand from Home Depot. This is the sand I'm talking about. We've all seen common sand, common dirt. Let me show you an illustration about eternity real quick. Turn your eyes to the screen. It's just some common sand. Nothing special. Look when you look a little bit closer, what you see when you look at common sand magnified. Some of these are magnified 400%. Did you know that was in there? Did you know something so beautiful, so special existed? something so common? Do 
that beautiful? Just common sand. God's gift of grace wasn't given because you did anything to deserve it. It wasn't given because of something that, that, that you earned or something, anything like that. God took what was common and inside he saw eternal value. He said, you were created in my image, whether you believe it or whether you even understand it or whether you know it at all. It took scientists years and years to figure out there was so much beauty in something so simple. God designed us for eternity. Well, here's a simple truth and something I need you to hear me say tonight. This morning. God wants you back. He wants to spend eternity what he made you. And so he gave us this gift which offers forgiveness for our sins, our past, our old us. He clothed us in righteousness and made us right. He said, I know I demanded a lot of you and I showed you just for your own good, but I don't see that anymore. I just see Jesus now. And then he said, and just to remind you, you were designed for eternity. You were designed to spend forever with me, and I want you back. You were made for eternity. Let me ask you a question this morning. Where will you spend eternity? It's the greatest gift ever given. It's the gift of his grace, where he offered up eternity in a place that was made for me, in a place that was designed for me. I was made in his image. I looked just like him. I was made to walk on streets of gold. Can I just say something to you, church? Can I just say that? Hell's a real place. It's not a state of mind. It's not a figure of speech. It's not Monday on April 15th. So is eternity. So is heaven.